Welcome to episode 62 of the RSA Resident and Student Podcast Series, a production of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. RSA is an accessible collaborative organization that fosters innovation, education, and advocacy for residents and students in emergency medicine. In this episode, Dr. Pooja Kobal, a resident at University of Illinois in Chicago and the 2017 through 2018 RSA Education Committee Chair, speaks with Dr. Mark Reeder, the Residency Director at the University of Tennessee Merce Freeboro, Nashville, a partner in Middle Tennessee Emergency Physicians, the CEO of Emergency Excellence, as well as the AEM Immediate Past President. Today, Dr. Gobal and Dr. Reeder discuss patient callbacks. Welcome everyone to another episode of AEM RSA podcast. I'm Pooja Gopal, a current PGY3 at University of Illinois at Chicago and the current chair of the education committee. Today, I have Dr. Ryder with me, Dr. Mark Ryder, who I'm really excited to have. And he just gave a lecture on patient callbacks, discharge phone calls. And so we're gonna try to pick his brain and try to get his thoughts. So before we do that, Dr. Ryder, can you tell us a little about yourself? Uh, certainly. I am a practicing emergency physician. I am a partner with a private democratic group in the Nashville area called Middle Tennessee Emergency Physicians. And I'm also the residency director of a, of a new residency program we started a few years ago through the University of Tennessee in Murfreesboro and Nashville. I also uh, have an MBA and I started a company uh, uh, shortly after finishing residency called Emergency Excellence that helps different hospitals improve their emergency department performance. And one of our services is that we do provide patient callbacks or discharge phone calls. I've also uh, been very involved in the academy for, for quite a while now. I've been on their board since 2005, and I am the past president for the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. Very nice. So first question is, so as residents, we're taught that we should try to do callbacks as much as we can. What are some of the reasons behind the importance of callbacks? Well, first and foremost, calling back patients shortly after discharge from the emergency department gives you the opportunity to improve patient care. It can be an extension of the emergency department visit and give the opportunity to identify if there are significant clinical issues, such as the patient's clinical condition has gotten worse or they have significant questions about their discharge instructions or about their clinical course. So that's going to be the, the, the big reason to, to do it from a, from a resident perspective, but there's also a lot of other reasons why uh, your department would benefit from doing patient callbacks. And what are some of the reasons um, it would benefit the department? Well, patient satisfaction is a, is a top priority for uh, a very you know, high-level priority for most emergency departments now. It's something the hospital administration really wants to, to see solid patient fat satisfaction scores. And patient callbacks is a, a very evidence-based, tried-and-true approach to raising patient satisfaction. Uh, just simply contacting patients after discharge builds a lot of goodwill. They really like getting the well-being check on behalf of their doctor. And at the same time, when you have patients who are upset who would otherwise be giving poor scores, you could identify them and do some degree of, of service recovery. So you get the opportunity to really improve your patient satisfaction scores. Likewise, you also get the information to collect a lot better patient satisfaction data. Right now, most departments are using mailed surveys like Prescani, where you often have very, very low sample sizes because the patients don't want to return the survey, and they're also very expensive for the hospital to, to have them sent out. So we're making decisions for the department and for individual 
doctors based on really tiny sample sizes that have recall bias and selection bias, while an effective patient callback program is going to have very large sample sizes without biases that are going to be the opportunity to get much better data on your emergency department overall, as well as on your doctors and nurses and residents and, and folks like that. It's also an opportunity to decrease some of your risk and liability and, and also to reduce the number of uh, complaints uh, that might otherwise go to hospital administrators. So which patients do you typically call back? It kind of depends on what your resources are. Most patients are appropriate for callback. There are some that certainly aren't appropriate for callback. We really recommend doing, going out of your way to have the technology behind you to identify certain patients that you don't want to call, such as patients who have died. That looks really bad. Uh, we recommend not calling patients who have been discharged to nursing homes or psychiatric facilities or prison because it's hard to reach them and you might not be getting the best uh, information uh, from them. Uh, many places don't feel the need to call admitted patients. Uh, it depends on what your, what your goals are. And then uh, it might not make sense to call patients who are transferred. We generally recommend cutting back some on calling what we often call your frequent flyer patients in the emergency department. If you've got somebody who's going to come to your department 100, 200 times a year, they probably don't need to be contacted after that. And then in terms of, uh, of, of, of when you've got that, that sample size of often you know, your appropriate discharge patients, it's just how much resources do you have. If you have enough resources, and call all that you can. Call, call everybody that's appropriate because you're going to have that meaningful impact on, on so many of the people that you do call. On the other hand, if you have more limited resources, then if your main goal is to get good patient satisfaction info, you can probably do that on calling more like 20% sample size or so. If your goal is really to you know, maximize uh, uh, patient care and reduce your liability, then you might want to focus more on very young or very old patients or patients with certain comorbidities or certain chief complaints that might be considered higher risk like abdominal pain or things like that. So when do you typically do these, or when would you recommend physicians do these, like during the shift or afterwards or before starting? Right. So lots of places are going to have uh, are going to ask their physicians and, and nurses to, to do that. And when physicians and nurses do the calls, then ultimately they end up being done at the times that are convenient for them, which is usually uh, very early morning before the emergency department gets busy. The problem with that is that the patients don't really want the call then, okay? They were just in the emergency department. They don't want to get get woken up. So your completion rates are going to be lower and you're not going to be building as as much goodwill. Generally, you're going to get a much more success calling patients in the afternoons and evenings, but of course that's the time that the emergency department has at its big, busiest. Now, if you're using dedicated non-clinical staff, then you can have them staffing uh, to make the patient callbacks at the times that are that make the most sense for the patients. And we certainly see plenty of value in using physicians and nurses to do patient callbacks, but at the same time, there's a huge opportunity cost when you do that because physician time is very, very valuable. And every hour that you spend doing patient callbacks is uh, an hour you could have otherwise been seeing patients, or if it's an hour of your own time, we don't necessarily want our emergency physicians to be you know, $200 an hour patient callback clerks. Uh, it might make a lot more sense to have a more robust program uh, using non-clinical staff calling on behalf of the doctor with the appropriate scripting and with the appropriate triggering notifications that when issues are identified that the patient's condition has worsened or they don't understand their discharge instructions, that that information is sent in real time to the appropriate uh, individuals to do further follow-up. And if no one answers, do you leave a message? I recommend that you uh, do so if you have the ability to, to take return calls. 
So uh, you have to do it HIPAA compliant. You can't be using uh, identifying uh, information that the patient was seen in the emergency department. But you can do things in, in a HIPAA compliant way, and it does maximize your, your completion rates. You're going to reach a lot more people if they have the opportunity to call you back. It doesn't really work properly if you have doctors making patient callbacks during their shift to then take uh, return calls, because then when you're in a patient room taking care of, you know, that septic patient or whatever, you don't want to get overheaded that you got to, you know, go back and, uh, you know, deal with uh, a discharge uh, phone call after that. But certainly if you have dedicated staff doing it or if you're doing it, you know, uh, on your own on a block of time uh, during an, an off day, then we definitely recommend uh, uh, having an opportunity to uh, take return calls. And should we document these when we do them? I, I think that documentation, archiving documentation is incredibly important with a, a patient callback program. You have the opportunity to collect a, a tremendous amount of, of data on your overall emergency department, uh, on your doctors and nurses and, and residents. So to me, it's a, it's a missed opportunity to not be collecting that data and to have the technology behind it that allow you to do good reporting to really see uh, how is your emergency department doing over time? You know, how are your doctors and, and nurses doing? To collect a ton of comments uh, to give good feedback on that. And also from a medical legal perspective, it's, it's very powerful to be able to have archived that, well, we contacted the patient the day after discharge with uh, their abdominal pain, and uh, they were getting better, and they had a great experience, and they understood their discharge instructions, and they had follow-up the next day. And perhaps you're at uh, less liability when they end up having an issue a month or two later that's unrelated. Or likewise, when you contact them with their belly pain and they're telling you that they're getting worse and you say, hey, I, I really recommend you go back to the emergency department for reevaluation. And then if they end up choosing to not follow that advice, you probably have some added degree of protection that you've archived, that you've really gone out of your way to, to try to close that loop and help that patient. Any other final tips or thoughts for making these calls, just these discharge phone calls? Well, it's just it's a very powerful tool to, to improve patient care, improve patient satisfaction, get really good data, and decrease your risk. You want to put a lot of thought into utilizing the right people to make the callbacks, to make sure they're doing it in the proper way with the appropriate scripting. They're following the, the directions well and uh, not exposing any sort of uh, patient privacy risk or, or things like that. And then certainly that you have the technology behind you that allows you to really collect a lot of very useful information and archive it. And if there are issues to make sure the appropriate people are, are, are being looped in on those issues. This is really amazing and very, very helpful, I'm sure, for all the residents and medical students listening. So thank you so much, Dr. Ryder. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, guys, for listening. Tune in next time. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. For more information about AEM RSA, visit the website at www.aaemrsa.org. Listen to our podcasts in this series and explore the ways you can get involved with RSA. Join us again next episode for another topic of importance for emergency medicine residents and students.